0: Good morning, everyone. This is Kathy White with Engel and Vokers in Whistler and also with lifestylelocator.ca, a way of connecting with our Whistler community and the Sea to Sky corridor to learn more about our community and residents and businesses that are here to connect and have fun, enjoy our lifestyle here, and also promote their, their good deeds in the community and also business services. So this morning, it's my pleasure to welcome Lori Cooper who's the founder of canadacaring.org. And Laurie, what are the three most
1: important things we should know about you? Oh, my goodness. Well, I think probably uh, one of the most important things to me in my life is being a mom. I've got two kids in their 20s, and that has been really the, the, the greatest adventure and joy in my life is having both of them. Uh, Something else about me is I think I've always tried to find the fun in everything that I do um, and really enjoy life. And let's see, third most important thing. I guess I feel that life has gotten way better after 50. And uh, I'm really enjoying the kind of freedom uh, that that has given me and you stop kind of caring so much about what people think about you. And uh, that's made my life a whole lot better. And I think
0: from your career, it's been so vast and extensive, and I think you've been able to connect with so many people throughout your career. Maybe you just share with us a bit of the background of living here in Whistler and living across Canada, what you've done in the past
1: as your career. Well, when I was a little girl I used to interview my stuffed animals with my sister's tape deck and uh, so I think I should have known from that that I wanted to be a journalist. Uh, so I did end up uh, taking some courses uh, in journalism and landing a job with CBC in the metropolis of Yellowknife. Mm-hmm. Uh, I started as a radio reporter there uh, mm-hmm. and from there I moved and worked in uh, Saskatchewan also with CBC, actually the French CBC, Radio Canada uh, and then I was in Calgary and finally made my way back home to my hometown of Vancouver, uh, where I worked for many years with CBC and uh, other TV stations. Uh, Then, after my kids were born, I kind of got drawn into the world of public relations. Uh, I uh, was working for um, Fairmont, doing uh, PR, and ultimately with Four Seasons. Um, but throughout that time I'd also been working as a ski instructor on weekends and uh, for a couple of seasons up in Whistler. So I managed to kind of combine my uh, my fun and uh, and my work, my lifestyle.
0: And it's interesting to see where your work and lifestyle has taken you now. So, you know, when you founded this organization org, what brought you to develop that foundation?
1: Well, I saw in September of 2015, there was a photo of the little boy, Alan Kurdi, little Syrian boy, a um, picture of his body on the beach and in Turkey, and I think like millions and millions of people, my heart broke just a little bit to see that child. And I really had been unaware of what was happening in uh, Europe and the Middle East in terms of the refugee crisis. But I was living at that time in North Vancouver, and through reading about Alan Curdy, I discovered that his aunt, Tima Curdy, lived in Coquitlam. And when I looked out my uh, kitchen window, I could see Coquitlam. And I thought, this tragedy is sort of in my backyard. Um, A group of moms, uh, one of my friends reached out to a group of us and said, hey, let's get together for coffee and um, see if we can do something for the refugees. So we got together and we thought maybe we should do a fundraiser, send them some money, maybe we should donate clothing because there was a need for that. So with my journalism background I was tasked with um, discovering what they needed so I did some digging and found out that 80% of the refugees that were trying to make their way to Europe were passing through the island of Lesbos in Greece. And so, again, I kept digging, and I discovered the names of two women that were working on the island there. Um, they were expats. One was a woman from Australia and a woman from the UK who lived on the island who were leading the charge to um, support the arriving refugees. Hmm. So I reached out through Facebook. said, hey, we're a group of Canadian women. Uh, we're wondering, can we raise some money for you? Could we send you clothing? And they both said the same thing. Yes, we need money. Yes, we need clothing, they said, but what we really need are people here on the ground to help us. They were getting th- between three and 9,000 refugees a day arriving on the beaches uh, in these rickety rubber boats. Uh, and I just, I don't know, I've never done anything like this, but I just started thinking about it. I looked at my credit card, I had a whole bunch of points, rewards points, and I booked a ticket to Greece. I said, I'm going to go and help. I had two weeks' holidays, and I just thought, I'll oh, just go for two weeks. Uh, a friend of mine said, I'm not letting you go alone, so she joined me. And it was life-changing. Um, Greece is beautiful, and you know it's a, a lovely, safe country, and the island was gorgeous. But there was this massive human tragedy. But in the midst of that tragedy, the the refugees that I met were some of the most resilient, courageous dignified human beings that I have ever met, despite the fact that they had lost everything, including friends and family, but they would arrive with a little plastic grocery bag. That, uh, that's all they had left in the world, and their smartphone. That was it. And yet they carried themselves with grace. They were so appreciative for any support that we offered. And then the volunteers who showed up, young people, Mostly young people in their 20s from around the world. They just showed up and said, I heard that you need help. How can I help? And I thought, oh my goodness, in the midst of this, I saw true humanity and it just gave me hope for the world and inspired me. And when I came back to Canada after that, I started speaking out, advocating for refugees in the media. We, a group of volunteers who had also traveled overseas, uh, came together to form a nonprofit. Canada Caring Society. And um, I went back a few months later. And since that time, I've made four trips to Greece. I started getting involved with sponsoring refugees to come to Canada. I've been involved in about 50 sponsorships. Uh, and, and I've got nine young people that have arrived in Whistler. And I'm working with a hotel here that, uh the Fairmont that has offered them jobs. And so it's sort of taken over my life.
0: Isn't that interesting? It's interesting how the path of our life, you know, the the way it weaves and leads us to our next chapter of life and how exciting and, you know, what, as you say, the world of humanity just fills your soul when you see that um, opening of hearts to help these people. Can And especially as you were telling and sharing with us some stories about how the new refugees are enjoying their lifestyle here in Whistler, you know, it, trying out mountain biking, getting a ski pass thinking I'll never ski and then falling in love with skiing and helping them stay here in our community. And also the wonderful aspects of the Fairmont Whistler helping people to um, enjoy their um, work here in the community as well as accommodation in some cases, which is fantastic. Um, I find that certainly in our world of real estate we certainly get a lot of international clientele and I'm seeing more and more people from the Middle East um, that I've never experienced here in town and the joy of them coming to our community experiencing a safer nature and un, you know being able to get over some of their PTSD, which I'm sure many of them have, and that aspect of your career as well is part of the emotional journey that you're helping them through as well. And I can't think of a better person you're so engaging. <laughs> no, it's nice. <laughs> you know, it's you. It, it's really important that a lot of people feel safe. The basic hierarchy of safety, uh, clean air, clean water, the basic fundamentals of life. And, you know, Whistler in their community aspect here, you really brought a perspective and also global awareness to the project that you're working on uh, because you were interviewed several times with that whole process because uh, the gentleman that was in the airport, his name? Hassan. Hassan, Hassan. Al-Khantar. Yeah. Yes, yes. What a journey for him to go through. And how did you connect with him? Uh, social media.
1: Uh, <laughs> I uh, There is a woman who, uh, Syrian refugee. In Ghana, of all places, who uh, a group of volunteers are working to sponsor her and her family to come to Canada, and uh, she became aware of Hassan's situation. He is from Syria, but had been living in the United Arab Emirates. Um, when the war broke out, he lost his work permit in the UAE, and he couldn't get his passport renewed. So he was eventually deported from the UAE, uh, and one of the few countries that will accept. Uh, refugees without a visa is Malaysia, so he was deported to Malaysia uh, on a three and given a three-month tourist visa, and his plan was simply to figure out, um, you know, where to go from there. Uh, he couldn't find anywhere to go, so he ended up overstaying that visa and getting deported again. Uh, but when he got to the airport to leave, they wouldn't let him board the flight. And then he couldn't re-enter Malaysia, because he'd been banned for five years for overstaying his visa. So he was stuck in the transit terminal at the Kuala Lumpur airport. At first, he reached out to the United Nations and different organizations, and no one was willing or able to help him. So he'd been there about a month when this Syrian woman you know, notified us and said, is there anything you do- can do to help this guy? So I, again, with my journalism background, vetted him, you know, aggressively. I, I needed to know everything about his background because I wanted to make sure if we stepped in to help, he had to be legitimately, you know, stuck. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I think, you know, sometimes people say, well, what was your first interaction with him? Like I said, well, it was very professional. I was like, okay, I need to know this, this, this. Once I decided that yes, he legitimately was in a perilous situation, we jumped in and, uh, tried to figure out how to help him. Ultimately, it led to us deciding to sponsor him to come to Canada, hoping that the government would expedite the sponsorship. Uh, but he uh, that didn't happen until he was detained and arrested by the Malaysian government and was facing potential deportation to Syria, which would have meant probably death. Yeah. Uh, so at that point, uh, Amnesty International, Human Rights Watch, uh, and uh, UNHCR got involved. And uh, after seven months in the airport and two months in detention, he arrived at the end of November in Whistler. And is he enjoying the lifestyle here so much? He loved it. He just, uh, he's actually moved now to Vancouver mm-hmm. about a month ago. Mm-hmm. But he really, really enjoyed it. It was funny, shortly after he got here, there was a big snowfall. And uh, my husband last year bought a snowblower, he was very excited about it. And uh, Hassan saw my husband using a snowblower, and he says, well, I'll do that for you. And I said, well, hello, you're from Syria. What do you know about (laughs) snowblowers? And he said, oh, he says, I used to work on my father's farm, and he had a rototiller. He says, it's the same kind of thing. So then Hassan took over the snowblowing for the driveway, and he and the dog would be out there. (laughs) What a fantastic experience! And the connections that
0: you've made with the federal government as far as immigration goes, where is that leading you to? As far as you know, what are those organizations that you feel could really help promote and and continue the good works of CanadaCaring uh, dot org um, to simplify and streamline the process? You were saying earlier today about the Immigration Department of Canada. You're working with them or have been invited to help them facilitate that opportunity.
1: Yes, I'm, I'm I'm. very, very grateful. Fairmont Hotels has been super supportive uh, by making job offers and providing subsidized accommodation um, to the arriving uh, refugees that I've been sponsoring. Um, to date, they have made 12 open-ended job offers, uh, but I just met with them recently, and they would like to expand the program to additional hotels uh, in the chain. And in order to do that, I need to be able to bring more people in and so I will be meeting next week in Ottawa with Immigration Canada to try to uh, get them to facilitate uh, that process. Now if we can bring in larger numbers of people what I will need is volunteers within both Whistler and other communities who would be willing to assist uh, the refugees were settling into the community. So for each person, uh, the government requires that I am able to name five people who will help these people, um, you know, just settle in, open a bank account, get a new cell phone, get a SIM card, uh, sign up for a, a social insurance number. So it's fairly basic stuff and to be honest, I've done it all by myself for nine guys uh, so far. So I think five people to help one person it won't wouldn't be a huge load, but I am uh, I've reached out to the local ro- Rotary clubs here in Whistler. Um, but I will be reaching out widely to just ask if people would be willing to assist these uh, people once they arrive here. Do you
0: find the multicultural society here in Whistler has also been a connection for people and I think that I think as our global village gets more connected online, that aspect of multiculturalism around the world and as a community residents, being engaged with helping these refugees get settled into the community is very important. Important and, and it's a role that all of us in the community should take more ownership of and connection. So I know that that's going to be a strong project for you, is as, as building these linkages between the different communities that are welcoming these refugees and the importance of organizations within our communities to participate in that process. And I know our time is a little bit limited <laughs> here. So um, maybe what you could do, is there a... Is there a book that you've been reading lately or a book that you would suggest or a blog or some form of social media account that people should follow to keep in touch with this process aside from your website that will load up for folks' information?
1: I guess I think it's really important to be reading about the refugee uh, situation which is evolving daily right now the UN just announced that there are over 70 million people that have been displaced uh, worldwide uh, and they're predicting by t- uh, 2030 that'll be close to 200 million people mm-hmm. so I think uh, it's it you know it's really important that we understand the situation and that we start working towards integrating integrating people I think um, there's you know this as I say, the the situation has escalated so quickly over the past few years. I'm not sure that there's, uh, I can't really think of a book that would mm-hmm. uh, be, but I would highly recommend, uh, following the Guardian newspaper. Um, they do a an excellent job of covering the the whole refugee crisis. Um, try to watch. There's some great documentaries about the refugee situation. Um, just being open-minded, and, I think realizing that a lot of people have this idea that refugees are kind of um downtrodden uh, uneducated people that are you know perhaps have nothing to offer but what i learned and that the turnaround for me was that they're really particularly the people from syria um highly educated you know many of them speak good english uh, they 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 are i t professionals they are broadcast professionals uh lawyers um so um realizing that they have a lot to offer to us,
0: I think it's very important to put ourselves from the stance that we can in their shoes. Can you imagine being having to leave Canada because of a situation that's arisen? These people, as you say, arrive with a bag in their hands, and that's their lively, and maybe a phone. (laughs) And it was
1: interesting, you know, my husband was a bit skeptical about the work that I was doing, and uh, he kind of said, well, I don't really understand why you're doing it, but I support you because I know it's important to you. And uh, I'd say his attitude completely changed when the first two young men arrived here in Whistler, and uh, they came over for dinner, and one of them uh, had an IT background. My husband's an IT guy, and uh, the the young man pulled out his phone and showed my husband pictures of the house that he had owned mm-hmm. in Syria before and after the oh. bombing. And I think that all of a sudden my husband saw that this guy had worked hard, had a nice house, and it was just gone. And I think that somehow helped him to think about it in real terms. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so
0: well, with your organization and traveling to Greece, maybe what we could ask you, is there some, something that you're rarely without, aside from your cell phone and your laptop, what do you always take with you when you travel to, these, um, to Greece or to other areas of the world that are, has been helpful for you in your business or your life? Oh my goodness, I, would, I was going to say my cell phone. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing how that has connected us
1: yeah well it's it's absolutely um yeah it's i i think i mean it's not something that i take with me but i would say that social media has been vital and i've always been fairly comfortable with social media but the first time i went to greece i had never been exposed to whatsapp which is a Mm -hmm. you know a chat um, messaging system that's very popular in europe Mm -hmm. less so in canada although it's growing but the entire relief effort was organized through WhatsApp there were different WhatsApp chats depending on you know what area you were in or if you were um you know like stocking warehouses or whether you were meeting the boats on the beach and it was just kind of fascinating um how effective it was and um, I continue to be on a WhatsApp chat that's from Lesvos, so I am. I know exactly what's happening on the ground every single day, even though I'm here, mm-hmm. and I can jump in. You know, if they say, "Oh, we need some money," or "We need a contact for this," um, I'm able to jump in. So, although it's not a tangible thing, I'd say my face, uh, my social media connections are um, absolutely essential. And I have had situations where um, someone reached out to me on social media. And said, You know, I, I, I desperately need some money for my wife's medication, and I'm in Athens. And I'll get on social media and say, Who's in Athens? And I'll, someone will say, I am. And I said, Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm e transferring you some money. Can you get cash to this person? And I can do that like within two hours. And um, it's so, those kind of connections and just keeping on top of it, you you can't afford to step away. And that's one of the things a lot of people say, Oh, I'm gonna step away from Facebook. I can 't I can't, mm-hmm. I can't.
0: Mm-hmm. good for you wonderful um, so what is your hope in the next ten to twenty years for our world for your life for your for your organization what what would be your
1: what is your vision what is your blue sky vision? I would like to think that I can play a small role in educating people about the importance of meeting the needs of these many, many displaced people. One of the biggest factors is not just war, Uh, there are environmental impacts, uh, because drought, famine is forcing people to leave their countries, and uh, that's only going to get worse with the climate change. Um, So we we really need to figure out a way to integrate these, and we need these people, we need our population is aging, uh, our birth rate is not that high, we need to find a way to integrate these people. So if I can change the attitude slightly mm-hmm. towards refugees and displaced people, uh, that would I would feel that I'd um, done something good for the world. That's great. Well, wonderful.
0: And I think um, we've highlighted today um, the life hack of WhatsApp is a very good program to use for connecting with business people, with people around the world, for uh, striving for the the connection globally of how we can help each other. You know, one of my visions in the future is to have one passport. You're a global citizen. You're not connected to any particular country, although you have the heritage and the honor and respect of that country, but we're all global citizens looking after each other. So that would, you know, for WhatsApp, I find that, um, and social media in general, that's, that's our life hack to connect and build community around the world. So um, is there anything else you'd like to tell us about your organization? Are there some future uh, events coming up that we should know about? Or um, how they, how people can now take the next step and join your organization and help out? What would be the best
1: next step? Uh, what they can do mm-hmm. is uh, visit the website, which is canadacaring.org. Uh, and there uh, will be a page where they can indicate their interest in volunteering in some capacity. The other project that we've been working on for the past three years uh, which uh, can allow people to have a very tangible impact is our baby box program and what we've been doing is putting together boxes, Plastic rubber made containers with everything that a new mother and her baby would need for the first few weeks of life, we're having about just on the island of Lesbos. there are about thirty babies uh, months born to uh, refugee mothers, and they have nothing. They are living in tents and you know no running water. So we um, are working with an, an organization on the ground. So if people want to make a tangible tangible donation, they can donate to the Baby Box program, and we will get those into the hands of these new moms. Uh, otherwise, if they're interested in helping when uh, refugees arrive, they can sign up to be on our volunteer list.
0: Fantastic. Thanks for your time today, Laurie. Thank you very much for your interest. <laughs>